Amen. Well, good morning. All right. All the children are dismissed. All right. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter number three. We're in a series of sermons from this book. We're not sure next week with the picnic we might just do a gospel message and then get back to Daniel. Um, you know, that'll we'll find out somewhere along the line, Lord willing. Amen. But Daniel, the third chapter, and we're going to start reading at verse 13. Now, leading up to this, King Nebuchadnezzar, who if you've been with us in our earlier sermons, you know he's got an anger issue. Amen? He's got an anger problem. That's safe to say. You study this. and um, He erected a statue for his honor and probably to honor his God. And he ordered that all the governors and all the officials be there for the dedication. Then he had all the people come out. And he said, when when the musicians play, and they had the whole band, they had it ready, cranked up. When you hear the band begin to play, everybody is to bow before this statue, this tall 90-foot statue. And if you don't bow, you don't bow, you're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. So again, you know what happened. Most of them all bowed. But let's pick it up with verse 13. Because three didn't bow. Three godly young men said, no, we can't do that. That's against the Word of God. So we can't bow. And they refused. And like everything else, people told on them. People were jealous. And the world likes to know when they can get to a Christian. And they know they can use their obedience to God. And they, they told on them. And they were brought to the king. And the king wanted to be... You know, he wanted to be a nice guy and he wanted to give him another chance. But they basically said, King, you can give us as many chances as we want. When it disobeys the law and the word of our God, there's no debate to it. There's no decision to it. You can save your chances. We must obey God rather than men. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Well, verse 13, the Bible says, furious with rage. We said he had an anger issue. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image that I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. No debate, no debate. Don't need to pray about it. Verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. He commanded some of the strongest soldiers of his army, to tie up the three men and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, their trousers, turbans, their clothes were bound and thrown into a blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent 
the furnace was so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took the men near it. Verse 23, And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, Weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. Then he said, Look, look, I see four men walking around the fire. They're unbound, they're unharmed, and that fourth one looks like a son of the gods. Oh, my goodness. We'll use as our title, Faith in the Fiery Furnace. Faith in the Fiery Furnace. Father, we thank You that You're with us in the fiery furnaces of life. We ask You to give us that moral courage and commitment to Jesus and to His Word that these men had. That regardless of what temptation or trial we face in life, we will stand firm for You and we will stand firm for what is right. We will live obediently even when it's costly and rejected. And all God's people said, in a series of sermons from this book of Daniel, we covered chapter number one, the integrity, the integrity of Daniel. How Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. He purposed in his heart, you've got to make up your mind, not only who you're serving, but how you will serve him. The measure of your obedience and your consecration. But then chapter number 2, we looked at a grateful spirit. And we noticed how Daniel was quick to give praise and credit to God. He gave all the glory to God for the blessings and the giftings and the rewards he had in life. He knew how to pause and praise when the good things happened in his life. And now this morning, we're going to meet three young men who refused to compromise their beliefs, their obedience, And we're going to meet a God who refused to forsake His faithful ones in the hour of their trial. I want you to know this morning that God has a special place in His heart for His faithful ones. For those who are loyal and serve Him consistently. I mean, I know we've got many faithful men and women here today. And God has a special place and a special blessing for you. I speak to the faithful this morning. And I know there's many within the sound of my voice. And I want you to know God has a special blessing for your life. The Bible says, Psalm 31 and verse 23, The Lord preserves the faithful. He has a special attention to guard the faithful and watch over the faithful faithful. And then Psalm 37 and 28, the Lord will not forsake His faithful ones. He has a special affection towards His faithful ones. He sees you and His heart reaches out to you in a special way because He's so pleased with your determination and your devotion in this life. Second Samuel 22 and 26, to the faithful God shows Himself faithful. Oh, the action of God towards those He can count on, towards those He can trust, towards those that He sees live this life, the good times and the bad, but they're consistent and they're determined and they're faithful in their service. God says, because you have been faithful to Me, I will always show Myself faithful to you. Can I get an amen? It's good to be faithful, isn't it? Faithfulness has its privileges. Daniel, the third chapter, faith in the fiery furnace. The power of God delivering the righteous in their day of trouble. The faithful Jesus walking with us when we face our most trying of times. Don't ever forget, if you'll stand for God, 
God will stand with you. I'll say that again. If you'll stand for God, God will always stand with you. And things the enemy hurls at your life to try to destroy your faith, if you'll respond properly, God will use those things to deepen your faith and develop your faith to make it stronger and to make it steadier and sturdier. False faith will wither in times of trial. But true faith takes a deeper root, grows and brings glory to God through even the hardest of times. One of life's unescapable facts, true Christianity, your walk with the Lord, my walk with the Lord, will be tempted, will be tested, will be tried. A person who's going to heaven will face some opposition along the way. Jesus himself warned us of that again and again. You might lose some friends if you choose to walk with Jesus. You might have to lay down some behaviors if you call Jesus your Lord. You might need to let go of some ambitions and some things if Jesus is going to have first place in your life. For we know that the child of God, though we are eternally loved, we are consistently, continually cared for by God, though we're not exempt from the fiery furnaces of life. The furnaces of sickness or tragedy. Furnaces of persecution, a broken family, a a financial collapse. We're not immune to things that bring dark nights and broken hearts. But we learn from this story and many, many others in the Word of God that though we're not exempt, we are still never forsaken. Though we're not exempt, we're never abandoned. We're never abandoned. Nothing can separate us from His love and nothing can ever put us beyond the reach of His care. The love and the faithfulness of God. We are never alone in this journey. No matter what the name of your furnace is, and it could be from A to Z, whatever the name, Of your furnaces, Jesus is there. You can count on that. You can put the bottom dollar on that. The Christian's comfort, the believer's strength, the certainty that we have that keeps us hoping and keeps us singing and keeps us marching forward is the very fact that Christ is with us and Christ is for us. Furnaces will come, but Jesus Christ will be there. Your furnace might take a various forms. It might be someone leaving you. It might be an affliction coming over you. It might be some kind of test or trial because of your faith. Whatever it is, you're not exempt from the trial, but you can rejoice and rest assured He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll give you the strength you need when you need it. You can take that to the bank. The Word of God is full with so many wonderful promises that don't merely speak about a trouble-free life, but speak about a life that in the midst of trouble, He is there, He is there. The one that can speak any moment and peace be still. The one that has all wisdom and all strength and holds us firmly in the hollow of His hand. He is there. I love Psalm 46 and verse 1. It's one of my favorites. I'll give it to you in the King James. God is our refuge. God is our strength. A very present help. 
in time of trouble. You've got to remember, He's a very present help in time of trouble because when trouble comes, the flesh says, where is God? When trouble comes, the accuser says, where is He now? But you've got to remind yourself, you've got to rehearse it again and again. Jesus, you're here. Jesus, you're with me. Jesus, you're in control. I know the doctor said that and it's frightening. I know the bank statement just said that and it's intimidating. But Lord, you are here. Lord, you are with me. Lord, you are for me. God, you're my refuge. God, you're my strength. You're a very present help. That's why the Bible reminds us in Psalm 34 and verse 18 that he's near the brokenhearted. Because when my heart is broken and I'm hurting on the inside, he doesn't feel near. He feels distant. Therefore, the Bible says, let me remind you, I'm there. I'm closer than your emotions. I'm closer than your pain. Walk through this life with courage. Walk with this life with an unwavering commitment to Jesus Christ. Troubles will come. Tears will flow. But God is with you. Stand firm in that. Stand triumphant in that. Let nothing make you bow low. Stand tall for the glory of God. And He'll bring you through every time. We love this Isaiah 43, and I'll paraphrase it for you. God looks at His people and He says, Fear not. I know you're facing a hard time. I know what lows goes before you is a big task. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I call you by name. I know you personally and preciously. In fact, you are mine. Therefore, when you go through the waters, I'll make sure they never cause you to drown. And when you go through the fires, I'll make sure that you cannot be burnt. Because I am the Lord your God. I'll be with you when the times are the hardest. I'll be with you when everyone else runs the other way. This you can hold sure. This you can rest your heart on in the middle of the night. God is with you. God is for you. And if God be for you, none can be against. Hallelujah. My introduction. But I just want to encourage you. Don't backslide. Don't lay aside your, your commitment to obedience, of obedience, of holiness, and, um, and, and walking in the Word. Things will challenge your faith. Stand up. Be strong. Trust the Lord in watching work in your life. Our outline. Number one, the summary. Number one, the summary. Among other things, we'll see the fury of the king. The fury of the king. Number two, the stand. The stand. And here we'll see the faith of these young men. Their courage. That caused them to stand when everyone else was bowing. Their, their confidence that enabled them to say, our God is able. We know that and we will not shrink back from that. And their commitment. Even when they get their final chance. Such beautiful, precious words that inspire us. That challenge us. They say we're committed even if this God doesn't rescue us the way we wish He would, we're still not bound. Our convictions in Christ are not for sale. Can you say amen? And then finally, the Savior. There's faithful Jesus. That friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm thankful this morning that there is still the fourth man in life's fiery furnaces. That Jesus Christ still walks through us when times are hard. Others might fail and others might forsake. But we have one that never leaves our side. Jesus is still walking with his people. All right. The summary, the summary. King Nebuchadnezzar makes 
an idol. He makes an image of gold, gold plated, and it's about 90 foot tall and about 9 foot wide. And he calls all the officials and all the other governors and leaders to be there for the, the, the recognition. And he calls the people and he says, now when you hear the music playing, everyone bow. If you don't bow, you will burn. Whoever disobeys my law will be cast into the fiery furnace. And all but three men bow down. You know, sometimes you have to take your stand for Jesus Christ. Sometimes you have to take a stand and you're not in the majority. Walking with Jesus will at times demand that you live a different life that you are called to stand apart from the moral norm of the society in which we live, that we are to stand apart and we are to live by the book and we are to live for the glory of God. This summary, we'll just look at it like this. Number one, the king's anger. The king's anger. He's furious. He's enraged. He's not used to being disobeyed. And that leads to the king's action. He's so angry that he makes good on his threat. He throws the three men into the fiery furnace. He heats it seven times hotter. It's so hot, the intensity, it kills the guards that were taking the men to the furnace. But then the king's astonishment. When the king looks into the fire, expecting to see those three who had defied him in terrible agony of death, instead he's amazed. For he sees not three, but four men. And they're walking around. They're unbound. They're unharmed. They're unaffected by the heat. And the fourth one, the king says, looks like one of the sons of God. The king's acknowledgement. When he has the three men removed, he acknowledges and praises the God of heaven. He says, because these men trusted their God, defied the king's command, Willing to die if necessary, their God has delivered them. The beautiful thing when the ungodly praise the true and living God. And here this ungodly pagan king, after seeing such a powerful act of deliverance and protection, he praises the true and living God. And that leads us to the king's announcement. By the end of the story, of course, he changes his tune. And he says, if anyone says anything negative about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'll be put to death. Oh, how easy things can change. That's the summary. But now if I could, let's look at the faith of these men, the stand of these men. That's really our our challenge for our faith this morning. The stand, the stand, the faith of these young men. We could use more like these. Can you say amen? We could use more young men and women that will stand firm for Jesus, for righteousness, even when it's costly, even when it's unpopular, uncomfortable, even when they're misunderstood by a fallen and depraved generation. These three young men were leaders. They were governors. There is something about the stories of Daniel and Joseph that really should move our hearts, especially if you work in the world. Because these were men that worked in the world, yet never compromised their convictions and their service to God. They were good workers, and they were blessed workers, yet they stood apart, and it's a beautiful testimony they have. But here these young men, we notice they were separate in their lifestyle, they were strong in conviction, and they were sincere in their devotion. 
There was no hypocrisy. They, they, they were real. They were genuine. The testing chose their true color. They were separate in their lifestyle. They were strong in their conviction. They were sincere in their devotion. They lived among all the others, but they did not live like all the others. They walked with all the others. They went to the same places of all the others as they served and ruled in the kingdom, but they didn't talk like the others. They didn't think like the others, and they didn't live like the others. You can live among them and not be like them. Somebody say amen. We don't have to have a monastery, like a monastery existence in order to keep our salvation. The men and the women of faith knew how to navigate in a real world with real people and real situations, but they lived differently and they lived consistently and they lived for the glory of God. These men were good at their job. These men were blessed as they helped rule a heathen pagan kingdom, but they didn't live like the rest of them. They stood apart. They stood separate. They stood strong. And God God honors them and God gives them to you and I as an example that we should imitate today. Let's take a closer look at these three men. Let's notice something about this faith that God applauds and God wants you and I to imitate. Number one, notice the courage of their faith. The courage of their faith. God give us courage. God give us courage. When you know the sovereignty and the sufficiency and the nearness of your God, it should bring courage to your heart. Knowing full well what happens to the enemies of King Nebuchadnezzar, knowing full well what his wrath is capable of inflicting towards those that would resist him or deny him, yet these men still feared God more than they feared the wicked king. They had a courage to stand for the right, even when it could prove very costly to their lives. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare. It'll trip you up. It'll tie you up. It'll make you fall down. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If you're going to be a Christian, you've got to overcome the fear of man. If you're going to walk faithfully with the Lord, you've got to overcome the fear of man. If you're not able to do that, you'll never reach the measures God desires. If you're never able to do that, the Bible says it'll be a snare in your life. It'll be something always tripping you up, always keeping you from achieving what God's called you to achieve, always making you fall. Just when you're starting to get some pace going and starting to go forward in the things of God, if you haven't overcome the fear of man, here's our prayer today. Oh God, give me courage to stand even when men make fun of me, even when men threaten me, even when men say we'll do this or that, oh God, give me a courage to overcome the fear of man. Somebody say amen. Young people, you got to overcome the fear of man. you got to overcome the fear of peer pressure. You can't be afraid if they're going to laugh at you. You can't be afraid if they're going to make fun of you. you got to fear the Lord more than you fear men. Somebody. That was weak. You'll get better. These men stood tall when everybody else bowed low. These men stood firmly upon the clear commands of Scripture. 
while others bowed low before the morally convenient path of least resistance crowd. Beware of the crowd. Tell your neighbor, beware of the crowd. Tell that person, beware of the crowd. Because, you know, going with the crowd seems very easy and very convenient. Going with the crowd... You get the high fives and you're pleasing men and everyone you want to please men. Going with the crowd can be costly. You mark that down. It might seem easy. It might seem the way to go. It might have a short-term blessing, but it'll have a long-time curse if you're following the wrong. Tell the person again, you better look out for that crowd. The crowd was bowing. The crowd was cheering. The crowd was saying, hey, you guys, what's wrong with you? Just bow with just one time. What can it hurt to bow one time? What can no one will tell on you? Join the, don't stand apart. You're making us look bad. Go ahead and cheat on the test like the rest. Go ahead and go a little dirty. Oh! That's why the second marriage failed. You more listen to the boys. Instead of getting to the prayer meeting, becoming a man of holiness and purity. Come on, I'm feeling good tonight. Oh, God. Better watch out. Everybody's doing it. That'll send you to hell. That'll send you to hell. The crowd was bowing. The crowd was cheering. The majority. You better look out. Majority's not always right. I said majority's not always right. You better check right and wrong from that book. Not, not, not from who voted, who got the most votes. You better go to the book when you want to know what's right or wrong. I said, walk out for the crowd. Look out for Because Jesus said, broad is the way. The crowd is taking the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way. Sometimes lonely, misunderstood. Rejected by men is the way that leadeth unto life. And few find it, but you can find it if you want to. And you can stay on it if you're willing. Jesus will help you. Jesus will strengthen you. If you're in a job and you're the only Christian, you can keep a good testimony there. God will give you grace and strength to stand there and to keep your peace. You might be the only one saved in your family. Well, God has you there to touch them. Don't let them corrupt you. Keep the joy of the Lord. Keep loving them. Keep witnessing to them with your life. But don't you bow to the compromise. Don't you bow and do those things that you know God clearly is not pleased with. Oh, you can live in this world but not be like this world. You can live in situations and surroundings that don't love the name of Jesus like you. Don't honor the Word of God like you. But you can keep honoring that name and you can keep loving that book. I'm here today to tell you Wherever God has you, you can live there and you can live faithfully there. You can live powerfully there. You can live consistently there because there's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ. Somebody say Christ. It's Christ that liveth in me. So I'll say it again. Beware of the crowd. They start telling their dirty jokes. Just get up and leave. They want to say, well, what are you? I'm nothing. I'm just a sinner sad by grace, but the Lord I serve don't appreciate that, neither do I. You want to do your thing? Do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And my thing serving Jesus. Come on. Woo. Yeah. 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 See, that king had it backwards. He said, if you don't bow, you'll burn. Uh-uh. 
If we bow, we'll burn. Not in your fire, but burn in hell. I'm not burning for nobody. Come on, say amen. Whew. Don't mind me. Hallelujah. I want to be dignified with this message, but you can't be. You can't preach this thing without getting excited. Not, not if you're a preacher. No, 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 no. The Bible says there is a way. There is a way. That what? Well, come on. That, that seems right unto a man, unto the crowd. That seems right to CBS. That, that seems right to the liberal church. There is a way that seems right to the um, academics. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is. You need to know where the end is taking you. You need to know where the end of that path you're walking is going to take you. Oh, my, the courage of their faith to stand when all were doing the opposite, to stand. When they were disregarding the most powerful man in the earth. It took courage. It took the courage of faith to stand apart and to refuse to go the way of the crowd. And it still does. And it still does. But true faith, courageous faith, obeys God regardless of the emotional battle within, the circumstances without, the possible consequences before. The courage of faith obeys God and trusts Him with the results. There's the word of the Lord for someone this morning. God says, trust me and obey me and leave the results to me. Trust me with the results. Just believe me and obey me and trust me with the results. Just do what you know is the right thing to do before the Lord. Even if your heart is screaming this, even if it looks like that, if you know what is clearly written in the book, if you know what God has clearly put on your heart, obey the Lord and trust Him with the consequences. He'll care for you. He'll work things out for you. But you have to do your part, first of all, to trust and obey. Key component, courage. For these men knew that the real power was not seated on the throne that they could see before them, but the real power was seated on a throne in the heavens, ruling and reigning in total control with power and glory. Our key component to this faith that God is applauding and God wants us to imitate is courage. Joshua 1 in verse 9, again, a favorite verse. God says, Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be now dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, Joshua, I want to lead you into a good place. I want to lead you, friend, into the place of your inheritance. Along the way, there'll be some trials. Along the way, there'll be some opposition. The enemy doesn't want you to go there. The enemy doesn't want you to enter into that place. So it demands of you to have a strength and a courage that trusts God and walks with God. But don't you ever doubt, I'll be with you every step of the way. I'm for you. Recognize that by faith. Live accordingly and watch me work wonders in your life. Courage, courage, courage. You know, not everyone has courage. 
One summer evening, there was a violent thunderstorm. My mother was tucking her little boy into bed, and she's about to turn off the light. And with a tremor in his voice, my mommy, would you sleep with me tonight? The mother smiled and gave him a reassuring hug and said, I, I can't, dear. I have to sleep with Daddy tonight. And she turned off the light, tiptoeing out of the room. The silence was broken at last by that little shaky voice. Dad, that big sissy. <laughs> Not everybody got courage, amen. But God looking for people with courage, Amen. And my courage is not derived from my own machismo. My courage is derived from my recognition and confidence that the living God is with me and for me and the battle is the Lord's battle. Amen? That's where it comes from. Again, I'm trying to stir it up on myself. Limitations. But if I'm putting it in Him, look out. All right. So number one, they had a courageous faith, but also had a confident faith. Confidence in faith. And you see that beautifully in verse 16, specifically verse 17. A key component, confidence in God and His Word. We're courageous because we know God's with us. We know God's for us. And we know God's sovereign. We know God's sufficient. But now we're confident because we believe God and we believe His Word. We believe God and we believe His Word. In fact, depending on what translation you have, there's six small words, maybe four if you have other translations. Six small words that give evidence of these men's confidence in God. It's so beautiful. Verse 19, they say, The God we serve is able. The God we serve is able. Our God is able. Look again, if you would. Verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and He will rescue us from your hand, O King. Say that with me. The God we serve is able. Let's do that again. The God we serve is able. One more time. The God we serve is able. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, from A to Z, He is that. And that's the beauty of their confidence of faith. Our God is able. And that's what we need to know, and that's what we need to be assured of when we find ourselves in these fiery trials, when we find ourselves in the furnace of affliction or whatever it might be. Our God is able. And our God is in control. He can, He can. He can turn my mourning into dancing. He can defend my cause and He can defeat my enemies and He can disperse my fears and speak His peace into my life. He is able to do whatever He chooses. And I know in the end He will have the last line. I know my Redeemer lives. Our God is able. And we're convinced of that. He's able to keep us from falling. He's able to keep us strong to the end of this race. He's able to carry us through when the weight gets very heavy. He's able to revive our strength when the battle is draining us and we feel like we're going to collapse. Our God is able. 
to give us peace in the midst of the storm. Our God is able to give us songs in the night. Our God is able to give us hope when things look hopeless. Our God is able to keep us sweet when the world wants to make us sour and corrupt and ugly. Our God is able to make a way even when there seems to be no way. Our God is able to move the mountain even when it seems like it's an immovable object. Our God is able to make all grace abound unto us that we can endure every trial and we can stand strong before every test and challenge. We are convinced that our God is able and He's mighty to save. Blessed be His name. A confident faith. Convinced that God is with me and that God is able to keep me and help me and carry me through. That's a faith that can stand the heat. That's a faith that will go the distance. We think of Paul in prison just waiting for his execution. But through it all, he says, I know that he is able. I know in whom I have believed in. And I am fully convinced, persuaded, that he's able to keep me. There's a confidence in this God. There's a confidence, and we're certain of it. A confident faith. A confident faith. Back, true story, back in the 1970s, the fire department of Fairfax County, Virginia, they received some brand new helmets. They were supposed to be the state of the art, top of the line. I mean, they, um, sharp looking, um, size adjustable, made of high impact plastic, scuff resistant. There's only one problem with these helmets. When they were worn near the heat of the fire, they melted. You can imagine as a fireman, that's a problem. Amen. Now, they needed helmets that could, um, what, take the heat. In the same way, we need a faith that can take the heat. We need a faith that can go the distance. A faith, a confident faith that is convinced that our God is able. That will keep us singing when others are melting. That will keep us marching when others are quitting. That will keep us singing when others have given in to the silence of despair. Don't you ever forget it, child of God. Your God is able. Your God is able. If you have to go through the furnace of sorrow of losing a loved one, your God is able to walk you through it. Can somebody say amen to that? If you're facing a dreaded disease and the doctors have no hope, you're able. Our God is able to bring you through it. He can heal you. He can walk you through it. He can take you to be with Him in glory. But either way, don't you bow. And either way, don't you give up. But no, your God is able. Be confident and convinced in that. And let Him walk with you and talk with you. Let Him speak peace to your heart. And let Jesus show himself strong for you and in you. These men had the, the courage of faith and the confidence of faith. They had the commitment of faith. The commitment of faith. I read an interesting story some time ago. There, there's a group of uh, warrior soldiers from Nepal called the Gurkhas. The Gurkhas. A friend of mine that did some work out in Afghanistan, helping train their police force, and he met some of these guys. They got a kind of neat, different kind of knife they use. It's, it's, have you ever seen one? It's, well, the Gurkhas. But anyway, back in the 60s, they were, they were with um, the British over there in Indonesia. And the story is told at one time, um, a group of Gurkhas, a Gurkha, they're from Nepal, they were asked if they'd be willing to jump from a transport plane into a combat against the Indonesians if the need arose. 
And now the Gurkhas typically never turn down a request. They're brave. They're courageous. Um, but this time, this time, they could turn it down. They've never been trained as paratroopers. But this time, they just flat out said, no way. And it kind of surprised the, the British officers because, again, they, these guys, they never said no to any mission. Well, the next day, one of the Gurkhas, NCOs, found the British officer who made the request. And he said, we talked about it last night. And we were ready to jump under certain conditions. And the officer said, well, what are the conditions? Number one, they said, we'll jump out of that transport plane if the land that we're going to land on is reasonably soft and maybe marshy. No outcrops, no hard rocks. Because we're inexperienced in falling. Well, the British officer, he thought about it. He said, well, you know, we're, we're battling in a jungle here. So most likely we're going to drop you in a jungle. So there shouldn't be any rocky out things, you know, to, to fall on. So... That's all right. Anything else? Well, the sergeant of the Gurkha said, well, there, there's one more thing. Would, would you allow the plane to fly as slow as it can? And no more than 100 feet? Because, again, we're inexperienced in jumping out of planes. And the British officer pointed out that planes always fly as slow as they can when they're dropping troops. But to jump from 100 feet would be impossible because the parachutes couldn't open in time at that height. And with that, the sergeant of the Gurkha said, oh, well, that's all right, then. We'll jump with parachutes anywhere. You didn't mention parachutes before. <laughs> we could use some Gurkha-like commitment in the church. Can you say amen? I mean, those guys were sold out, man. I like that. Commitment. That's a commitment of faith. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's one thing to say our God is able, and if he delivers us, I'm going to call charisma and give my testimony. But it's another thing to say, even if he don't, we're willing to die for our God. That's commitment. That's commitment. Commitment. I just thought of another one. Commitment. This one's not as moving as the Gurkha's one, but the time the pig and the chicken were walking down, and, and they're talking about breakfast. And the chicken said, well, I'll give the egg if you give the ham. And the pig said, well, that's, I don't know about that because, you know, we, all you got to do is give a donation. I got to give. <laughs> That's commitment. Amen. Anyhow, let me get back to my notes. Anyway, I wanted to use that one in a sermon somewhere, but I finally got to use it. Amen. See, some people don't mind making a donation, but being fully committed is another. Oh, Lord. The commitment of faith. The commitment of faith. Look at that verse 18. The commitment of faith. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. This is the most impressive line in the whole story. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah writes, The secret to success in the Christian life has been, is now, always will be absolute commitment to God and his word. These three men of commitment and conviction live the same regardless of their circumstances. That's commitment. When things go well, they serve God. When things weren't going well, they serve God. If God answers the way they want, hallelujah, commitment's unchanged. If God doesn't answer the way they want, hallelujah, commitment unchanged. They know exactly what they believe and where the line was that they would not 
and could not cross. Not even for a king who had the power to put them to death. My commitment and obedience to Jesus is not for sale. You can sell a lot of things. Don't sell your character. Don't sell your conviction. And don't sell your devotion to the Lord Jesus. The determination to serve God always and regardless is quite an inspiration and an example. Let us imitate the faith of these three men. The faith that God honors. And we see how in the end, Jesus shows up with them in the furnace. As we said in the beginning, to the faithful, He shows Himself faithful. And when we stand for Him, He stands with us. But not only did He show up, He shielded them. And even when we have to go through things, He's able to shield us from the full blast of those things. And give us a grace to go through those things that others that don't know Him do not have. We see at the end that these men get promoted and they get blessed because they stood for God and they wouldn't bow. If you're going through a fire this morning, if you're going through a trial of your faith, you need to make maybe a fresh commitment. Or maybe you're going through it and you're weary and you're tired and you just need a fresh filling to keep on trusting and keep on standing. Then when we open the altars, come and let someone pray with you. Even if it's just for a few minutes, just to open up your heart and say, God, you see me stand. Refill me. Give me a fresh courage and strength to continue on until this battle finally comes to an end. But secondly, if you're here today and you're finding yourself bowing to moral compromise, following the crowd, instead of standing with the Savior. Then God says, receive my loving warning this morning. Turn around. Begin to make the change now. Come and repent. And make a fresh commitment to do the right thing, regardless of the cost, and trust God with the consequences. Take your stand for Jesus, and you'll never Be sorry you did. If you would, stand with me, please. We're going to pray our final prayer, sing our final song, and then we'll open the altars. And again, if you're going through a fiery furnace, you know, some are quick and some are long. And if you're just getting tired in the battle, well, you're here at the right place at the right time. You're with the family of God. And if you just need brothers and sisters to pray with you, just for some encouragement, just for refreshing to get back in and continue on, then you need to come down as we open these altars. But most important, if you're here today and the Lord loves you dearly, God loves you with an everlasting love, but He warns those He loves because He loves them. If you're starting to compromise morally, if you're starting to cut corners, doing things you know are not pleasing to the Lord, Receive this message as a warning from heaven, loving warning. Stop it. Come and ask the Lord to forgive you. Ask Him for the courage to do the right thing, not to go the way of the crowd, 
but to obey Jesus and stand firm for Him. Father, we want to thank You for this inspiring example of faith. An encouraging reminder of Your faithfulness. Oh God, we thank You that You're with us. Oh God, when we don't think we can stand up and face another day, You're there to help us, to give us strength when we're just drained and exhausted, to comfort us in our time of weeping and sorrow. You're there, You're there, You're there. Just like You were with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, You walk with us through the fiery trials of life. You speak words of comfort to our heart. You give strength that we can continue to battle on in faith. Thank you for that, Lord. And pray, Father, help us to live like these men. Pray this morning, oh God, you'd help those that are going through the fire. You'd remind them this day how much you love them, how close you are to them. That regardless of the lies the enemy is hurling at them, they will hear your voice whispering in their ear, I'm with you, child, I'm with you, I'm with you. Fear not. It won't last forever. I'll be with you till the battle's over. Hmm. Oh, God. Oh, God. Father, as we sing this final song and open these altars, I pray, Lord, people need to make a fresh altar of commitment Let them respond to what your Holy Spirit is speaking to their hearts right now. If others are just drained and weary and they just need their cup refilled, let them respond and let the showers of your Spirit just refresh and revive the faithful. Father, we commit the remainder of this service to you. Breathe your breath of life on your people. Move powerfully at this altar. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Let's sing this final song. The altars are open. If you need prayer, come quickly.